Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is always just being a always appreciate your current relationships because a lot of those people that you mentioned, I would actually connect it to them through someone else. Mm. So it's more, I think, of a really appreciating the people that you currently have around you and not really trying to be um, what I would consider a social climber. You don't want to be labeled that way. You don't want to be labeled as someone that's just constantly looking to go from connection to connection to connection to reach someone. Mm -hmm. Um, the second thing I think is once you do meet these people, right, whether it's, you know, Michelle or Jay or a basketball player, whatever it is, make sure that you are trying to provide value right off the bat, right? So Mm -hmm. interview them if possible. If you don't interview them, find a pain point that they're going through and see if you can alleviate that. Try to connect them with other people that can help with them out. Try to just be of service and try to be a resource. Um, and don't overextend yourself too much either. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. You're listening to the Blessed for Success podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Blessed for Success podcast. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa. If there's anything from today's show that resonates with you, go ahead and share that on social media. Share it on Instagram. Uh, mention me at Blessed for Success PC, and I'll be able to see what you like and share it with the rest of the Blessed community. My guest today is a serial entrepreneur, three-time TEDx speaker, LinkedIn youth editor, and UN youth ambassador. After successfully building Technotronics and working at JB Fitzgerald Venture Capital, started by NBA player Trevor Booker, he is now the founder and CEO of TrueFan, a tech-driven media company building technology to help influencers, brands, and agencies discover and reward their top fans. He has previously acted as a consultant for Fortune 500 companies like Google, Western Union, and American Express. He also sits on various boards, including At Dunk and the League of Innovators. He has been published in over 100 national and international publications and has notably been inducted into Plan Canada's Top 20 Under 20, recognized as Startup Canada's Young Entrepreneur of the Year, and won the United Nations Outstanding Youth Leadership Award. Currently, he's co-authoring a book called The Young Entrepreneur to help student entrepreneurs start and run their own businesses, and it's expected to release later this year. He also hosts his own podcast called The Tech House, H-A-U-S, that brings together Fortune 500 execs to discuss cutting-edge startups and the future of technology. I'm grateful to call him a close friend, introducing Manu Swish Goswami. I remember, man. I think I remember the first time I ever reached out to you, um, just in general, it was literally to like challenge you in a game of one-on-one, I think. I think yeah. you were like, oh, I'm going somewhere to play basketball on, on your Instagram story. So I like messaged you and I was like, yo, like, you know, if you want to play one-on-one, let's play on one-on-one. Like I'll, I'll, I'll get you, you know, I got, I got your number. Cause like, to me, like, you know, you I was like, I'm a bigger guy, you know, he's like a scrawnier guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much he plays ball. He's always so busy with all his projects and business and all these things. So I was like, man, I could take him. No worries. And then I played with yeah. him the Y and I was like, Oh my God, this guy shoots like lights out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I underestimated you, man. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. But honestly, those Y days, I feel like I was playing so much more. Like I was playing like twice or thrice a week. Now it's more like every Sunday I'm playing once really. 
So yeah. I really want to, I really want to get back into like the Saturday Y runs practice a bit before getting into the Sunday games. Cause mm-hmm. I want to like get back to like where I was before. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you set it up. I'm glad that you were setting up those Y runs and you know, that's, that's what was surprising to me, man. Cause I was like, to, like personally, I was just like, man, this guy's so busy. He does so many things, but like still he has the time to like, not just like <laughs> put it together, like not just play ball, but like, organize it like put it together and like get us all together in a group and have us go play ball runs you know like I was like man that's that's impressive like amongst amongst everything and like um you know even after you're so good with and you know with follow-up and -hmm. just like staying on top of your things man that's so impressive to me and like you've you've attributed that to like a big part of your success in general you know Mm -hmm. no definitely 100% like that that's been the biggest key I think it's just making sure like you make people feel valued for their time. And then more importantly, like after they do something good for you, you make sure you loop them into that whole process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, man, I listen, I appreciate you coming on um, to the blessed for success podcast. Um, you are my first repeat guest. And that being said that you were on my last podcast, the fresh out of college podcast mm-hmm. um, talked a lot back then about your business kind of about um, you know, how you, you started it and, um, just different things around your life as an entrepreneur. Um, and excited to back you, you know, have you on and and chat with you again, um, on this podcast. Um, but you know, I think here we're, we're trying to get you to know you on a more personal level. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on and, and thanks for, for taking the time. No worries, dude. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. And a lot of that since last time we did this. Um, so it's going to be pretty cool to go into that. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And, and like, I want to start where you started. So like to, to my knowledge, um, obviously you have your whole childhood and everything, but, um, really I think where things took off and you can correct me if I'm wrong, we're at the world debating championships, correct? Yep. Yeah. So what got you to start, you know, going into that area, um, into debate in particular, and how did things take off from there? For sure. So debate was kind of within my family. Like if we weren't competitively debating, then my brother, my mom, my dad, and I were always just debating in general on the dinner table. Um, it was just something we were really keen in doing because all of us were very politically active. We had kept up with politics. We read The Economist every week. Our dinner conversations were not like, what did you do today? It was like, what did you think about this since that's unfolding in this country? Um, so it was really cool to grow up in a family like that. And then my brother actually debated way before I did. So he started in grade seven. I started in grade seven as well, but he's four and a half years older. Yeah. And when I joined debate in grade seven, he had just won the world schools debating championship in Qatar. And wow. he was in grade 12. He was part of team Canada. He won the tournament. And there was a lot of pressure, obviously, on me you know, getting into debate. I joined Team Canada in grade 10. Um, in grade 11 and 12, when I was, you know, at Worlds, I went to Worlds in Thailand and I went to Worlds in Singapore. The coach at the time was my brother. So the mm. coach of the team was my brother. I was being coached by him. And uh, in Thailand, we came fourth. We lost to South Africa. And then in Singapore, sadly, we lost in the final against Singapore. So mm. I lost to my home country because I was born and raised there. Yeah. And um, that was definitely rough. But at the same time, like, I think debate was so cool because like it finally gave me an outlet to be able to nerd out. Like I had always loved like reading up on politics and reading up on various issues and now to have the ability to like talk to other people about it in a competitive setting 
and to really get deep into issues that I think are really, really relatable for any person to know a lot about. That mm. was really cool. And then on top of that, especially when you're debating at a high level, the people you meet globally, it's inspiring to see what they go on to do, right? Like a lot of the people that I know from debate, they're lawyers, they're bankers, they're entrepreneurs, they're creatives, they're going to be creating the next big thing in the next 10, 15 years. And it's good to be able to know them through debate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, on that track too, like debating is also an opportunity, obviously for you to polish your public speaking skills and, yep. um, you know, get out in there in front of an audience and, and really work on that. Um, and from what I know as well, like debating was also an opportunity for you to um, kind of address something, um, which was your list, right? So, yep. you know, yep. how, how did that impact you getting into debate and, and you know, continuing it onwards? And, and what did that mean to you? For sure. I mean, look, like, I don't have the worst disability compared to many other people that I know who have to go through far worse. But I obviously had something that I was ashamed of initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by that, I mean, it kind of just sucked to be able to, like, not say your R's and S's properly. You know, given that my full name is also Swarochish, like, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of S's and a bunch of R's in there. Yeah. <laughs> so not even being able to say your own name sometimes was rough. Um, but I think that grade seven, when I joined debate and when I started, you know, getting appreciation for my thoughts, for my speaking style, for my delivery, for how calm I was, especially in very pressuring situations, mm-hmm. um, that all gave me a huge confidence boost to just keep talking, to keep speaking, to not really care about how I was sounding, but what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really important. I mean, obviously, like I remember in grade nine, I debated and one of the judges was like, Swish, I think you're a fantastic debater. I can't wait until your retainer comes out. You know, like, and I'm like, oh shit, I don't have a retainer. <laughs> <It's a list." laughs> but um, I've had moments like that, right? I've had moments where judges were like, yeah, this guy's amazing, but like, you know, he sounds a bit off. Um, but weirdly enough, like, I don't think I've, uh, I'm a hundred percent, you know, solved it. Like I still have a bit of a list, but I think it got actually better and better as I continued to speak. Yeah, it's something that you're like speaking was able to kind of help you polish on. But at the same time, it's something that's kind of like a part of you, right? It's part of your journey. And, and, um, you know, everything that you've been able to do with that shows that, you know, you didn't let it bog you down or anything like that. So, um, you know, that's great. And then from there, from after the debating, you know, your, your career, you know, basically took off, right? Um, after that, like, what was your mentality? Like, I, I, I try to understand, like, you know, you went to school, um, but then you left school to kind of pursue other things. Um, what was your mentality just like growing up after that? Like, did you want to start your own thing? Did you or what were you just experimenting? Like, what was going on? Yeah, I mean, with debate, I obviously knew that um, a lot of the people that go into debate and they do it at a high level, they tend to get into law or they tend to go into politics. Um, politics definitely intrigued me, but definitely not something I want to do as a 20 year old. It's more something I'd love to do in my thirties, but I was interested in law. And so I decided to orient my career more towards that. I came to the university of Toronto. I joined the monk school of global affairs. They had one undergraduate program that they offered called peace, conflict and justice studies. Um, it was a class of 25 people that were selected. And I joined that program did fairly well in my first year. I still debated in university um, I was part of two research clubs. I was just really trying to gun for law school. Mm-hmm. And I think it was around first year and like in between first and second year that 
I thought about creating a business and I'm like, it'd be kind of neat, especially because, you know, obviously I have a bit of history when I was younger, just tinkering and playing out with some ideas. Um, I created a nonprofit in high school, which I really enjoyed building out. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it'd be neat to start a business. I did that. Obviously, you know, then Trevor Booker, the whole VC opportunity came up, moved to New York, was able to license a product out that I built, was able to work with Trevor on his VC. And that's where the whole True Fan chapter also began in December of 2017. So honestly, past second year, like the first you know month of second year of university, mm-hmm. everything went into like hyperspeed. Like I don't really remember much. All I remember is just riding a wave and I'm still doing that even right now. You're on a big wave, man. Now you're the CEO of True Fan. You have, you know, tons of followers on LinkedIn. You're, um, you work with Face Clan, right? Which is the esports mm-hmm. um, group. Doing yep. so many things, man. And, and, you know, really impressive to watch you juggle. How old are you right now? If you don't mind sharing with the 22 audience. Right now. 22 right now. 22. 22 and just smashing it um, in all regards. But, you know, I imagine to some degree that's tough. And you know, especially as a young guy doing all of that. And I've seen it, right? Like on your LinkedIn and, and on your LinkedIn posts, like there are times where you'll get some hate or you'll get some, mm-hmm. you know, doubt. Like explain to people what dealing with that is like and how you deal with it. Yeah, I don't really think too much about it anymore. Like I think my work speaks for itself on a number of levels, like whether it's through speaking front of the podcast or, you know, investing in face clan, for example, like you mentioned, or building out true fan and doing everything that we're doing there. Like I just let my record kind of speak for itself. Now it definitely hurt when I was in the early stages of building true fan. And I wasn't as accomplished, I think in the space that I really wanted to be accomplished with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes that hate, you'd be like, ah, oh, like, why are they doing that? Why are they saying that? Why did they, for example, like one of the things I remember people used to say about me when I was initially building true fan out is that, Oh, he's only a speaker. Like he's a speaker, he just writes on LinkedIn, that's it. You know, and that that got to me a little bit because I wish they saw like how 90% of my week was, which was a bunch of calls, a bunch of meetings, traveling around the world, trying to get new clients, trying to like grow out a team, trying to raise money. Like there was a lot behind the scenes that I didn't talk about. Um, But it's now nice, you know, especially over the last six months to be known first and foremost as an entrepreneur, right? I'm building a company out. We have real employees. We have proper revenue coming in. We're cash flow positive. We made an acquisition recently. Like all of that stuff makes me feel way more proud than he speaks and he writes on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. And huge congrats yeah. on that again, on the, on the acquisition social rank. That was huge, man. I read that news. I was so happy for you. Um, and you. the rest of the team, you, Onik, Scott, the rest of the guys. Um, so that's awesome. And like, let's, let's dig into that a bit more. Like there's so many mm-hmm. challenges that come along, not just with starting a business, right. But starting a business at, at your age, you know, um, you know, being young, like not only are you trying to build up a business, but you're also like building your life, right? As a, as a young guy, yeah. like there's, you know, obviously relationships involved. There's, um, you know, still trying to maintain a social life, be with family, like go out, like all of those things. Um, you know, what are the, some of those challenges that you face as, as a young entrepreneur and, and what are some ways people can deal with that? Totally. Um, look, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I live a very privileged life. And I know that for sure. So, you know, whatever challenges that I face, I try as much as possible to put things in perspective and know that they're not as exorbitant or as big as some other people, um, especially in terms of people that are, you know, immigrating to a new country, have escaped from conflict, have escaped from poverty, have escaped from 
family and drug abuse. Like there's so many bigger problems out there in the world to handle. So that is actually one way that I handle a lot of my stress and problems is really putting myself in check and putting things in perspective. But as you mentioned, like there are a bunch of, you know, unique challenges that young entrepreneurs face when you're 21, 22, 23. Um, Definitely the world is your oyster. You don't have a mortgage to pay. You don't really have much of a family to feed. Um, you don't have a house, you don't really have a car normally. So like you can really take a lot of risks. Um, but at the same time, when you're starting a company, you know, it's going to take a lot of hours to build, especially in that first year, there's going to be a lot of time that you're going to be spending building a company out and not really working on your friends, not really working on your family, not even really working on yourself, right? Working out, staying healthy, eating properly, sleeping on time. These are all things that I don't think you need to sacrifice, but there are going to be days where you are going to sacrifice them for building a company that you hope will provide all of those benefits back to you in a few years. So that's definitely something. And then I think the second thing is maturity wise, like um, even though I'm 22, I always tell people I feel like on an emotional side, I feel like I'm 30 just because <laughs> like in the last two, three years, I've gone through like moving to a new, con- new country, new city like New York then raising money, moving to Vancouver, then moving again after raising more money in Toronto, having traveled a lot for speaking, have you know gone through the process of building out a personal brand while building out a business. It's taken a lot from me and it's made me grow in so many different areas, just all the conversations, all the lessons that I've learned mm-hmm. that I feel like emotionally, I've really grown to be more mature than I was when I was 20, 21. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, you know, that sort of maturity can be a big problem for young entrepreneurs that come in, they see a bit of money, they see a bit of flashy things and they get become distracted, right? They become distracted by the watches or the cars or that lifestyle. And they don't really focus at building a profitable company that can live the test of time. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're focused on. Exactly. Very much what I'm focused on. Like, if you know me and you know me, like, bling doesn't really appeal to me much most of my clothing is given to me literally like i'm either gifted it or i get it during christmas holidays Mm -hmm. um what i'm always more interested in is being able to do cool things like i put way more money i think into experiences than i do into items Mm -hmm. um so i love traveling i love being able to take a, a spontaneous trip with my friend recently i took one in niagara to finish our book you know, we're writing it together and we had a great time in Niagara two days. We just spent some time writing the book and then we also went to the casino and we gambled a little bit. Like these are the experiences <laughs> that I like a little bit, right? Did you make money yeah. or did you lose money, right? I we both actually made money that night. It was good. We played really smart. I think we made about four hundred dollars each, which is nice. <laughs> there we go. There we yeah. go. That's a nice dub. <laughs> yeah. That's sick. That's, that's a lot of change, man. Like that's a lot of you know especially a lot of change over the past few years in particular, right? Like you've had the starting a new company, like traveling around the world, leading a lot of LinkedIn initiatives, like so many things. Mm -hmm. Like what are, what are some of the ways that you're, you're staying grounded, you know, during all of that and, and not getting to like ahead of yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's more a, I've set high, high expectations for myself. So like, even though we're moving really fast, I'm nowhere close to my goals. Um, mm-hmm. My goals, again, they aren't just within business. They're also within entertainment, which I haven't really touched into other than, you know, making a few investments there and there. Um, and then also politics, right? Which I, again, have not touched into either. So I yeah. see life as like, you know, a very long, long journey. Hopefully yeah. I'll be able to live through that entire journey and stay healthy. But I see so much more that I can do, which definitely keeps me grounded. 
And I think the second thing is having a great amount of people around you that do the same, right? My friends, my family, you know, they don't treat me as anything special. They, they treat me quite the opposite, actually. <laughs> you know, especially my mom. Like, my mom, anytime I get a good piece of news, like, you know, she's my number one supporter, but she'll also say that she's my number one critic as well, yeah. right? So if she thinks I'm doing something wrong, she'll call me out for it publicly even sometimes on LinkedIn. Oh, my God. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I saw that sure once. That, that made me laugh. Yeah, right? Like, my fucking hair, my haircut recently. Like, I, I had long <laughs> hair. I was growing up my hair, and she was like, I hate your hair on LinkedIn. <laughs> And it got like, I think it got like 10 likes or something. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so funny, man. Oh my God. Full blast. Full blast in front of the world. Full too. blast, man. Full yeah. blast. Yeah. Literally full blast. Yeah. Hey, I didn't mind the haircut. It was all right. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's, it's like, it's impressive, uh, you know, to see dealing with all that change and then, you know, probably putting yourself in a position to, um, you know, avoid all the criticism or, you know, trying to ignore it. Um, and miss the whole process. Mm-hmm. Do you have like, do you have any rituals, routines, um, you know, that you practice regularly to kind of keep you on track to you go to your goals, keep you accountable for, for all the expectations that you have for yourself? Uh, routine wise? Routines, rituals, like anything that you would say, it, you know, are kind of rules that you live by. Um, to maintain your level of success and, you know, keep elevating it as you go? Um, not much. Like, honestly, I think the big thing is every week, um, as much as possible, I really like, you know, on Sunday or Monday going through my week and just sitting down and reflecting. So I spend about 15, 20 minutes writing out, here's what I want to accomplish this week. Then I reflect back in my previous week, look at all the meetings I did and make at least one lesson, like one thing that I'd like to change or do better. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, a big part of what I'm trying to fix is how long some of my meetings are. So I want to shorten my meetings, make them more efficient, probably bring them around a five to 10 minute range as opposed to the 20 to 25 minute range. Right. Um, so it's stuff like that. Like I, I definitely check in with myself a lot. I also do that more daily as well. Like if I feel like I'm down, um, I write a lot on my own. I have like a, about 3,000 notes now saved to my phone. And wow. it's a lot of just reflection, a lot of journal entries, a lot of just, you know, it's not like the dear diary stuff like that, <laughs> but it's more of like, here's what I'm un- un- unhappy with today. You know, and I write everything down. And I feel like once you write it, it's such a great burden that you kind of alleviate off your shoulders. Yeah. Um, and then I think the final thing would be playing basketball every week. You know, I, I love the league that we're in. Obviously, we're part of the same team now, which is awesome. But um, <laughs> that's great, you know, just detaching myself in those couple of hours and playing with people that I genuinely like playing with and other entrepreneurs. Honestly, a lot of us are entrepreneurs. A lot of us are doing great things. So it's amazing just to be able to, like, have that energy around you, especially when you're playing a game that you love. Yeah. No, I love I love the game of basketball and definitely puts um... – everything else hits the back burner as soon as, as soon as the tip off yeah. starts, you know? So I love yeah. that about the game. Um, exactly. Just focused on, on getting my hands on the ball and, and make some hustle plays, you know, that's what I love doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, when I'm like, I'm like, Hey, I got to be the Draymond green, the Pat Bev of this league. You know, I got to be the Dennis yep. Rodman of this league. So um, yep. if I don't do that this, this year, like hold me accountable to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're going to be the, you're going to be the George Khalif, man. Look yeah. That. You're going to be the yeah. George Khalif this year for team. <laughs> yeah. Just try to body out everybody in the paint. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, again, when it, when it comes to like routines, rituals and all these things, like, like for me personally, for example, um, 
there's so many like goals and like so many habits that people want to take on, you know, like waking up early, you know, doing great at work, um, like doing something great on the side, like this podcast for me, um, having long stretch goals. And sometimes it can seem like there's a lot of things that like I'm trying to get done or like want to do. Um, and I'm sure like you are the same, if not more so, like there's so many things that, that, um, kind of hit your desk or things that are on your mind at any given time. Um, you know, what, what's your way of dealing everything that kind of comes in at once? Like, are you just focused on one thing at a time or do you just kind of like hop from priority to priority and, and see where everything lands afterwards? That's a good point. I definitely don't focus on just one thing. Obviously, like with my life, like true fan is 95% of my focus, but I also speak. I do a podcast every week as well with Origins Media House. Um, and, you know, obviously last week, for example, like things like the book will come up, right? We have final edits that we have to make before publishing. Like there's stuff like that that will come up. Yeah. Um, normally what I do is that Sunday, Monday reflection time to put down three to four priorities for the week. And I make sure that no matter what comes up, those priorities are hit. So mm -hmm. like I always, always have weekly priorities mm -hmm. and I make sure that those priorities are the most important things I need to accomplish that week, whether it's something that's time sensitive or just something that I think will have a really big impact. I make sure I put that within my three to four priorities. And anytime I don't know what I should be doing or anytime I feel overwhelmed, I go back to that priority list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've got like, even again, like I was talking about at the beginning, like your, your part, the way you follow up to, I feel like is, is amazing. And I remember you posting this about LinkedIn, on LinkedIn once, um, about how like follow up has been like the key to yep. a lot of your success. Like, can you explain that? Can you describe that a bit to, to the audience listening? Totally, man. So uh, the biggest thing that has helped me, especially when it comes to networking, meeting new people, making sure existing people within my network feel valued is by following up so what i mean is if somebody connects me to a potential client or a potential investor for true fan a lot of times we get an intro we thank that person for the intro but we don't really follow up with them in a month or two months or three months to let them know what happened with that intro did they become a client did they invest what's going on right now mm -hmm. so i find that a lot of times there's so much opportunity there's so much untapped value within our network that we don't tap into because we don't follow up yeah. So following up has been great for me because it's kept people knowing that I'm there. I'm, I'm still working at TrueFan. I'm still constantly trying to grow TrueFan. And I always want to be in their mind somehow, right? I want to be top of mind for them. So whether that's putting calendar invites to remind myself to follow up with people um, or just having a simple system that anytime someone intros me to someone, I make sure I get on a phone call with them the next week or I go out for dinner or lunch with them that's all things that I try to do to make sure I'm always following up with people and staying top of mind in their mind. Yeah. And, and I've seen, I've seen it up close cause you not, you not only do that for yourself, but you do it for other people too. Um, like when you heard I was doing this pod podcast, you made a very yep. uh, great introduction um, and you did it on the spot. And I was like, man, we're out right now. And he's making this introduction. <laughs> that's, that's sick. Yeah. This guy's an awesome, um, awesome friend. So I really appreciated the man. Thank you. Um, no and you know, it's, it's great that you, you know, give back at the same time. And I think you care a lot about that, um, you know, kind of giving back um, to society yeah. as a whole. Not, yeah. And not just giving back to obviously, you know, I wanted to do more this year around philanthropy. Like I know Henny, for example, one of our friends, Henny, um, not a lot of people know this about him, but he goes to soup kitchen every Sunday morning. 
getting yeah. volunteers there, right? Like stuff like that, I'd love to do that more. But I think the biggest thing for me over the last two years that I've learned is the value of loyalty. Mm-hmm. So as much as possible, I love to see my friends win. Um, I know that you guys also want to see me win. And I think it's just great when we can help each other out, stay connected, but at the same time, just make sure that we know we're kind of all in this together. So that's yeah. why, like, you know, setting up introductions, nothing brings me more happiness, honestly, than doing that and seeing people win together. Yeah. No, it's, and, you know, when I came to Toronto, um, when I moved to Toronto, I was like, kind of like lost because I didn't know where to make um, friends or like how to meet people and stuff and just like from introductions, you know, met you guys, met you, Henny, you know, Scott, the rest of the team. Um, and just like made friends that I'm like, wow, like these are the type of people that I want in my circle area. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's, it's great to see that like Toronto is a special place. Like I'm telling you just like people, the talent, um, you know, it's definitely, definitely like a hotbed for that. I find. I agree. No, I agree. And just such good people too. You know, I, I, the thing I found about New York, found about LA is there are a lot of fake people. Mm-hmm. And then along with that, I find there are a lot of cocky people. Like there are a lot of people that they're more attracted to the lifestyle than they are the actual work itself. Mm-hmm. So I find Toronto, even though we're not, I think a smaller market anymore, um, we're definitely on the rise. And I find that the attitude of people here is just so much healthier, better, nicer than, than people down south. Mm-hmm. Is your, is your attitude with business? Like, um, just out of curiosity, you know, like you're obviously you're building this out of Toronto. This is where, you know, your hub is, your home is, um, and you're doing everything here, but you know, if you had the opportunity to go down South and, and work from there, do you think you'd take it or, you know, or is it just kind of like, no, you want this to be a Canadian born and bred business fully? Yeah, no, I, I want this to be a Canadian company for sure. Um, we're really proud about it too. Uh, I, I think it take a very, very, very big opportunity to bring us down south. Um, I yeah, personally want to grow this out in Canada. I don't know if my life as a whole will be spent in Canada, but I know yeah. that the whole journey that I'll be on with TrueFan will be in Canada. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. And like, not only that, but um, in the process of building your business, like you've made some really great um, you know, connections with people, um, you know, you have relationships and are close to individuals like Michelle Romanow, um, Jay Shetty, like a number of other people, um, in like NBA basketball players, right? Like you worked with Trevor Booker for time, um, and like a number of other guys, like, how do you go about building these quality relationships? Cause it's not just, you know, I need something from you. You need something from me type thing. You know, like you genuinely have some really good relationships with these people. Um, you know, how does one go go about building, you know, solid relationships like that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is always just being a always appreciate your current relationships because a lot of those people that you mentioned, I was actually connected to them through someone else. Mm. So it's more, I think, of a really appreciating the people that you currently have around you and not really trying to be um, what I would consider a social climber. You don't want to be labeled that way. You don't want to be labeled as someone that's just constantly looking to go from connection to connection to connection to reach someone. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I think is once you do meet these people, right, whether it's, you know, Michelle or Jay or a basketball player, or whatever it is, make sure that you are trying to provide value right off the bat, right? So mm-hmm. interview them if possible. If you don't interview them, find a pain point that they're going through and see if you can alleviate that. Try to connect them with other people that can help them out. 
try to just be of service and try to be a resource yeah. um, and don't overextend yourself too much either. So that's normally the ways that I've thought about networking. I think I thought about networking, especially last year and the year before a bit too formally this mm-hmm. year, I've made a big priority to try to think about it in a way more of a casual way. So mm-hmm. like even a lot of the people that I could consider, you know, not necessarily good friends of mine, but more business contacts. I've tried to take them out for dinner. I've tried to take them out for lunch. I've tried to do something more personal with them as yeah. opposed to just constantly just trying to get on a phone call with them and get their attention that way. Yeah, no, that's great. And it's like, it's more personal. Um, yep. Definitely like builds a closer bond as opposed to just, I need something from you. You need something from me. And like, exactly. you know, one, one thing that I, that I've, that I was just impressed with you from, from the very beginning was like, just like your ability to put yourself out there, you know? And I think, myself included, like I'm guilty of this too, is just like, you know, worried about what other people are going to say or like mm-hmm. worried about what's going to happen. Um, you know, and I'm, and I'm guessing with even running a business, right. With, uh, running true fan, like this is 10 X in the sense that like you're taking so many risks, um, to put things out there. How, how do you deal with that? Like, is that, does that ever get, give you anxiety or anything like that on, on what the turnout is going to be or, um, you know, how do you deal with constantly putting yourself out there and, and kind of making yourself more vulnerable? I don't really think about it that way. I just think about it in the sense of, you know, I, I have a very small group of inner friends. Mm. So I've made sure to not overextend myself in terms of trying to be like a social butterfly, which I thought I was in high school very much. But, you know, now I think I have like a core group of like 10, 15 people that I really enjoy spending time with. And um, I try to stay in touch with them every single day if possible. Yeah. But past that, like, I don't really care too much about anyone else's opinion. Um, it's not to say that I don't take constructive criticism. I very much do. Um, but I really take it selectively. So I take constructive criticism from people that I know are experts in a given topic. So if it's an investor that is giving me advice on TrueFan, I will take it. If you are a data analyst that is giving me advice on the back end for TrueFan, I will take it. But if you are a data analyst that is giving me advice on speaking and you have absolutely no background in speaking and public speaking and getting more bookings or anything like that, then it's not to say that I wouldn't consider the advice, but I'm probably not going to listen to it and take it internally. Mm. So that's my thing there. Um, Again, like stuff like hate and all of that, like it used to really factor into my mind. Now it definitely doesn't. Um, it's not to say that it doesn't affect me. It sometimes does affect me, but in the grand scheme of things, I just remember that I have really close friends and I have an incredible family and an incredible support system that loves me. And that's all I really need to live. Yeah, no, that's great. I I agree with that mentality completely. Um, and for someone who wants to put themselves out there more, you know, is shy or, um, you know, feels they have a message to share with the world or, or whatnot, you know, like someone listening to this might be like, Hey, like, you know, I want to put myself out there more and, and get people to notice me more and, and, and things of that nature. Like, what are your recommendations to them? How can they start and how can they keep going and, and keep it sustained? For sure. I mean, look, A, find areas that you're really comfortable about talking about. Um, you know, if you notice me, like anything that I share on LinkedIn, anything I even speak about on stage, I am an expert, quote unquote, on it. And I would never obviously call myself an expert on the topic, but I definitely know a lot about it. Um, If you put me up and you made me talk about blockchain, I would be nervous. I would feel like an imposter. I would be anxious. 
So I try as much as possible to only share advice or share thoughts on topics that I know a lot about. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing that I hope can maybe make you more confident about speaking out. Um, The second thing is to know that you don't have to do it off the bat. You know, for example, on LinkedIn, like there was a period of time about six, seven months before I even started posting on LinkedIn where I was just a consumer. Like I would comment on a few posts that I thought were cool. I would like, I would share, but I'd never post. And that's something that was totally fine. You don't need to post right off the bat, but do experiment and do think about maybe sharing one post. Um, And even if that post is, hey guys, I don't really know much about this topic. Can someone help me out? That's totally fine. Hey there, just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. If you are enjoying what you hear, I would really appreciate it if you could head on over to iTunes for a quick minute, leave a five-star review, and tell us what you like about the show. We want this Plus for Success message to catch fire, and the only way that is possible is with your help and support. Thanks again for tuning in. Now let's get back to the show. LinkedIn is a crazy platform, man. Like just in general, and yeah, I actually okay. This is this is kind of off field, but um, LinkedIn obviously has been great for you. Um, what are your thoughts on TikTok, man? Just in general, yeah. Um, I think it's a great platform. I actually enjoy using it as a consumer. <laughs> um, so I I watch a bunch of videos. I think TikTok videos are really for anyone. Um, there's something that anyone can take away from it. They're humorous. They're funny. They're insightful. All of that. Um, I think the reason why I haven't posted much on it is just because the content style doesn't really fit me. Um, so I'm just, I'm just not intrigued. Um, nor I think, do I have the time to really put in an effort in terms of learning a whole new style of videos and coming up with captions and putting music on top and editing the videos properly. So mm-hmm. I just like to stick with the platforms that I know a lot about, namely LinkedIn, Instagram. I have a lot of fun with that. But as a consumer, I love TikTok and I think it's a cool idea. It is, man. It's, I tried making one once. It took, it took some effort, not going to lie. Like it takes some time to put one together. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's great as a consumer. It's funny. Love that about it. Um, no, good, good hot take. Good hot take. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another, another random hot take. Who, who do you have in the, um, in the finals this year in NBA? In the NBA Finals, I have the Raptors against the Lakers. Um, Good answer. I I, I do believe that the Raptors are going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the Conference Finals. I do believe the Lakers will beat the Clippers in the Conference Finals of the West. Obviously, you know, this assumes that the Conference Finals work out that way and all the seeding and matchups work out that way. But Hmm. those are like the top four teams in the league that I think um, deserve to be in the Conference Finals. Hmm. You're going to disrespect Kawhi like that, man? I, I, I'm a huge LeBron fan. I'm a huge LeBron fan, honestly. And I personally think that team is incredible. Like the way that they've crafted a team that's like not just LeBron and AD, but it's a culture that's built around like role players like Rondo, JaVale, Tavis Caldwell-Pope, Kuzma. Like it's incredible. So I, I don't know. Obviously, I think on paper, maybe defensively, the Clippers are better. But the Lakers all around, I think, are the best team in the NBA. Uh, and then on the East, I mean, I think Giannis is a beast. He's probably the best player in the league right now. But I think the Raptors are just built as a team more than as an individual player. And I think Pascal Siakam is a superstar. He is. He is a superstar, definitely. And like once he gets back fully healthy, I hope um, you know yep. things will pick up a lot more. Um, 
Let's think about see. it. We were we were beating teams like Boston without him, Norman Powell, Marcus Shaw. Like yeah. if we're beating teams like Boston without three of like our core players, yeah, you know, and Kyle Lowry continues to play like he is, think that teams you better watch out. <laughs> yeah, no, they should. Raptors, are, man, I it, it was surprising to me, man, how many people put disrespect on the Raptors, like. Even this year, at the beginning of this year, like people yeah. were talking about Raptors as a vote that was like completely a fluke. They're not even going to make it to whatever the, the, the conference finals. I'm like, well, ES, ESPN had us below the New York Knicks on their team ratings going into this year. Made me want to punch Stephen A. Smith into the face. Man. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. That guy's that guy yeah. can't speak on us like that. Basketball, no. man. I, I gotta tell you, like, I loved like I played it so much growing up and stuff. Um, but obviously the, over the past couple of years, like didn't pay, play it as much. And there are certain skills that like I took for granted back then that were just natural to me that now I look back and I'm like, damn, like sliding your feet laterally is such an important <laughs> skill to have. And I'm, and like, yeah. I struggle to keep up with some like crazy fast offensive players. Whereas back in the day, like it was easier to slide my feet. And I'm like, man, this is such, such a, such an interesting sport in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great sport. And and the sport that I'm honestly starting to become more and more impressed by too is football. Um, yeah. I, I used to only play like flag football, but now I'm getting really into watching the playoffs. Um, I'm definitely going to tune in to tonight's college football game, LSU versus Clemson. Yeah. And just like seeing how defensively and offensively these players have to be built, how much beating they pretty much take every play, how yeah. quick they have to be, how they are all synced in as a team. It's it's a great sport as well. So basketball, football, I think are like the two sports to me, at least that they're just so complex. They're not as simple as they look. It's a lot more than just simply running with a ball and putting it into the basket. There's a lot more that goes into winning. Yeah. I, I recently gained a lot more respect for football. Cause like when I was growing up, it wasn't that appealing to me because basketball is such a fast paced game. There's always action, but in right. football, it's like, there's a whistle right. kind of every right. one seconds, whatever, right. how many seconds. But like right. I watched the playoffs over the weekend, like the Chiefs game, and I was like, and I've watched a few football games, and I'm like, man, like you got to respect the skill that it takes, um, for like for for a sport like that, and the other sport that like I'm completely obsessed with, that I think has almost become on par with my love for basketball is like MMA, um, mm. like a ridiculous amount of respect for for that sport and like what what's involved in there, you know, like they always they that. they say we don't play we don't play fighting or yeah. You play, you play basketball, you play football, you play soccer. We don't play fighting. Definitely have a lot of respect for that. Um, yeah. Did I tell you I went to, went to Thailand um, like two years ago and I like actually had a, had a, like a Thai boxing match in Thailand? No, I did <laughs> not know that. <laughs> yeah, man. There's, yeah. There's, this, there's this ring in the middle of this like bar slash restaurant on an island in Thailand. And they just right. take two volunteers from the crowd and you scrap in the middle of the ring. Jesus, that's crazy. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Um, but anyway, I, I digressed. Um, yeah, upon like all the things that you do and like, you know, the, the amount of sex, success that you had um, to date, uh, what are some kind of like habits slash um, things that you've carried throughout, like lessons learned through from, you know, starting a business, especially with TrueFan, that kind of stick with you. Like if you had a top three that like, these are the things I would use um, to either replicate or like restart from square one. Um, these are the things that I would hold, like, you know, hold dear. Yeah, I think the three lessons I'd learn is, is number one, your, your net worth is really your network. 
Um, I definitely believe that. I think it goes back to what we've talked a lot about in terms of following up and the opportunity that I've gotten from introductions that people have made to investors, clients, events, all sorts of things. The second thing is profitability is the number one goal for any CEO, and it absolutely should be. Um, I think in the last four, five, six years, startup culture has definitely just been about growth, growth at all costs. It doesn't matter if you're profitable. All that matters is that you're growing. I think this decade has started to bring up companies that are way more focused on profitability and building a sustainable business that can actually operate on its own and doesn't have to one day file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Right. Um, I think the third and final thing that I've learned is in order to do great things, you really, really have to spend a lot of time on it. And what I mean by that is patience, I definitely think is a virtue, but whatever it is you want to do, think about how much time it's going to take. Now double that number because anything, especially around fundraising and building a company, any of the goals that you put forth, if you think it's going to be done in six months, it'll probably take 12 especially if you're doing it properly and well. Mm. Mm. No, that's, that's like, that's, that's gold right there. Cause um, a lot of people underestimate, you know, what they're able to do in a certain, I think, I forget, I think Bill Gates, something like a quote, quote, like, you know, most people overestimate what they can get done in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah similar similar nature um in terms of what you just said so those are those are the lessons learned um and i guess that it kind of falls into the same category almost but if there's anything you look back at and you're like i i wish i would have done 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 this differently or you know i could have done things this differently like what are maybe three lessons there that you would have done um differently from the beginning of um your career starting true fan um you know all of that. Yeah. I, I don't know if I could give that a very good answer there, given the fact that, you know, again, I'm 22, like pretty young in my career still. Um, I think the big things that I don't regret, I don't really regret any of these, but I would have done this differently is number one, I would have taken a gap year between high school and university. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people rush into university and then in their third year, they change their major because they thought that they wanted to do something, but they didn't actually give a lot of thought to it. Um, so that one year break between high school and university whether it's you just going and traveling or working a job or just staying at home and thinking about what you want to do and researching your options a lot more. I think that's crucial and necessary, especially for someone like me. The second thing I think is, especially with TrueFan, um, I think I wish as much as possible that we didn't resort to just simply raising money so quickly. Um, with TrueFan, when I started it, my mentality was, okay, as an entrepreneur, you think of an idea, you validate it a little bit by creating an MVP, right? You create an MVP of the product, you have a non-functional wireframe, you go pitch it to a couple of people, get some good feedback, and then you raise money. I never thought about, hey, what if we bootstrapped the company? What if we got four or five clients early on, made our costs very, very small, and just started to grow off revenue? That's something that I wish I had looked into a little more because especially when you're raising money and giving up so much ownership in a company, it can be pretty toxic. Um, I think on our case, we've been actually pretty lucky. Like Anik and I still have majority control of the company. And that's something that I think is great. But I know a lot of entrepreneurs that lose majority control within the first two, three years of creating a business. Mm. Um, the third and final tip probably for me would be on the speaking front. 
and also then related to, you know, some of my side projects, whether it's the book or the podcast or, you know, doing sneaker stuff with K-Swiss, all of that. I feel like last year, just going and putting myself in all those situations really bogged me down a bit um, mm-hmm. and didn't really allow me to focus as much on TrueFan. Um, the last four months of 2019 was me like really locked into TrueFan and we got so much done during that time that I can only imagine if I was that locked in for the entire year for all 12 months and I wasn't distracted by so many other things going around, what can we accomplish? So it's not to say that the other stuff isn't cool. You know, the fact that I'm done with the book is great. The fact that the podcast is up and running and I have another person entirely managing that is awesome. But all of those things to initially begin that while you're starting a company in its early years is really, really, really hard to do. So just always question whether that opportunity is right for you at that moment. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I love those tips. Those are, those are great. When it like, it's, it's so valuable. Like I'm sure, um, the stuff, the amount of stuff that you've learned from, from starting a business and, and running the business. Um, I also think a lot of people probably underestimate like entrepreneurship is so glorified, you know, but I think it's, mm-hmm. it's probably something that's underestimated in terms of the actual challenge that goes from, you know, trying to run a profitable company, like trying to actually oh, yeah. get it to that point. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of backend challenges, you know, what, what are some of the biggest that like come to mind when you were like, man, I'm getting into this entrepreneurship game. I'm sure you got hit with a bunch of stuff that you were like, I didn't, I didn't see this coming. Man, it's just, I think team management more than ever. Like I always knew that I was a leader, um, but I never realized how much I actually have to work at it. Like Mm. to be a leader isn't a natural skill. It's something that you constantly have to work at um, and especially managing people, making them feel valued, really helping them reach their full potential, keeping them accountable. These are all things that you can't just do it once every two months and expect to build a great business. It takes a leader to understand that these are things you have to do every single day. So for me, I think it's been a lot of just realizing that as a leader, there are a number of things that I can improve on. There are a number of things that I can institute from a company perspective, like meetings that I can have weekly that allow me to get my job done. But there are a lot of things too that I don't know about yet, right? Like I don't know how to lead a team past 10 people. We got to that point two months ago. Now it's a whole different ball game for me to figure out all right, with 13 people, how do we make sure each person feels connected to the main reason we started TrueFan? Mm-hmm. Respect, man. Respect your, respect your level of humbleness. You've always been like a, like a humble guy and like know that there's more work to be done and you know, you stop to celebrate your success a little, but that's, but you focus on like what's ahead as well. So respect for that. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up with some final questions. I was supposed to ask, ask you this at the beginning. I lost track cause we started talking about basketball and that's just what happens when you start talking about <laughs> basketball. Um, but like today, um, you know, what, what makes you feel blessed? That's a great question. Um, I think two things. One is the mind that is in my really nice big head. um and what i mean by that is my mind that that you know feeling of courage and that feeling of you know just going after your dreams that spirit hasn't gone away um it was something that i had when i was 12 years old it was something that i had when i was 18 and i'm happy that despite two years of really working in the trenches on true fan and trying to get things done and a lot of days sometimes feel really boring and really long I haven't lost that creative energy and I haven't lost that spirit to keep trying new things and go after what I really want to do. 
And I think the second thing is family and friends. Like, again, I think I have an amazing group of people around me, whether it's the basketball team or my really close college friends or my family members, you know, every single person is there for me. And I've never felt more love, more support in my life than now. Um, so that's the two things I think that I'm probably the most grateful for out of anything. Mm, hashtag blessed. Blessed, um, man. Hashtag blessed indeed. There we go. And then, um, you know, moving forward and, you know, at this time, uh, what does success mean to you or what will it mean to you? Yeah, two things again. I think number one is from a company perspective, growing TrueFan. Um, you know, we want to be able to double our sales from last year to this year. We want to be able to integrate our product into two or three other platforms that have a lot of small business owners working on the platform or a lot of great creators on the platform. Um, we're going to be announcing our first integration, which is going to be with Hootsuite in about a month, Ooh, um, nice. which will be nice. Yep. And, uh, and I think from the second would be from the kind of personal side, uh, going through and celebrating my brother's marriage. Um, oh, wonderful. Congratulations. So, That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So I'll be going to India in April because he'll be getting married there. He'll also be having a, a wedding in Toronto mm-hmm. um, in July. And so it's going to be like a festive season from April to July for me with, with my brother getting married and starting this new chapter of his life. That's so awesome. Tell me you're going to put together a Bollywood number, my fan. Yeah, <laughs> I actually have to. So I'm, I'm being assigned yeah, to uh, choreograph a dance routine. Uh, for the India wedding, so that'll be fun. <laughs> oh, amazing! I cannot wait to see the video for that. There better be some like Rithik Roshan, like Shah Rukh Khan stuff in there, you know? Oh, like, yeah. oh, throw in the moves, cheesy. my man. <laughs> very cheesy. Don't worry about it. I love it. Oh, I can't wait, man. Thank you so much um, for coming on this show. Um, it's 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 honestly a pleasure being your friend and like just um, obviously getting to play basketball with you now is going to be fun. Um, but always chatting it up with you is, is always a great time and. Um, I know you're going to be on hopefully many more times, uh, on this podcast as well. So, um, you know, thanks, thanks for, for being a part of it. Where can people find you? Where can people reach out to you? Definitely. Um, people can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you just search up Swish Goswami, S-W-I-S-H-G-O-S-W-A-M-I, um, or on Instagram and Twitter at GoSwish, at G-O-S-W-I-S-H. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, Tander. I, I really appreciate this. I'm always excited to talk to you and uh i can't wait for the season to launch and to just see if the great episodes that you have other than this one yeah no i can't i can't wait either i'm excited to see everything that that happens to it um it's been a pleasure i'll put everything in the show notes um in terms of information to reach out to you um thanks thanks so much man i appreciate you no worries dude i'm excited